Al Jazeera podcast. Hey, it's Malika. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to The Take. If you like what you hear, let us know. Rate and review us on the podcast player where you heard this episode. 15 rounds of voting. That's how long it took the U.S. House of Representatives to elect its leader. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. This was back in January of this year. It was the longest it took to elect the Speaker of the House since before the U.S. Civil War. Republican Congressman Kevin McCarthy of California eventually assumed the role. You know, my father always told me, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And now we need to finish strong for the American people. Democrats opposed him, along with the extreme right of his own party. Now, nine months later, McCarthy is out. Kevin McCarthy's short and rocky run as Speaker of the House of Representatives has come to an end. It's an unprecedented moment, the first Speaker of the House to be voted out and led by members of his own party. His ouster came after key members of the narrow Republican majority he presided over turned on him in a dramatic statement of no confidence. Chaos is Speaker McCarthy. Chaos is somebody who we cannot trust with their word. So how did it come to this? And what does it say about the state of American politics? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Ali Valshi, welcome to The Take. Good to have you back at Al Jazeera for a bit. My pleasure. Um, you need no introduction, really, but just in case, just in case, tell us who you are and what you do. I'm the chief correspondent for MSNBC, and I'm a host of a show that uh, is named after me. It's called Velshi, and it's on Saturdays and Sundays from 10 a.m. to noon. What are you prepping for this weekend show? Uh, trying to understand what's going on in the in Congress. Uh, you know, the no surprise, surprise ousting of Kevin McCarthy as the speaker. Yeah, so much to talk about. So there was some seismic activity in Washington, D.C., where I am this week. And clearly you felt it a few states over in New York because it was the lead topic on MSNBC, which is the channel that you call home. So to catch everyone up, on Tuesday night, the Republican congressman, Kevin McCarthy, was removed from his role as Speaker of the House of Representatives. And it was quite the dramatic showdown I would say, and the first time that we have seen this in U.S. history. So let's start with explaining the role of the speaker for our international audience, and maybe for our U.S. audience, how Kevin McCarthy has inhabited that role. So it's unlike the speakership in a parliamentary system, in which the speaker is typically a member of the of the party that has the most votes, but not always. And generally speaking, the speaker of a parliamentary assembly takes a slightly removed role. That's not exactly how it works in the U.S. Congress. For lack of a better word, the speaker is the leader. 
of the prevailing party, the party with the most number of seats. In a largely a two-party system, there are, once in a while there are some independents, but generally it's Republicans and it's Democrats. The Republicans have, uh, by a very small margin, more seats than the Democrats. The Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, is the leader of the Republicans. So the misnomer is that they are the Speaker of the House. They are. Um, by the way, the Speaker of the House in America is third in line to the presidency. After the vice mm. president, it then becomes the Speaker of the House. So it's a remarkably powerful position. And until, uh, until I guess, Wednesday, Tuesday afternoon, Kevin McCarthy was the most powerful Republican in the country. And then to see that slip away in this surprise, not surprise, as you put it a little bit earlier. Um, okay, so let's talk about how this happened. To understand this all, we need to know a name, and that is the name of Republican Congressman Matt Gates. He's from the state of Florida. He's on the far right of the party, and he is a Donald Trump loyalist. He was the person behind a motion to vote on removing McCarthy from the speakership. So walk us through how this happened. So it used to be that there are various ways in which a caucus, or as the Republicans call their caucus, a conference, chooses its leaders, recalls its leaders. Kevin McCarthy had a very difficult time becoming speaker. It took him 15 votes because there was this sort of group on the far right that uh, was trying to extract concessions from him. McCarthy finally clinched victory with 216 votes, but has been forced to compromise his agenda to right-wing hardliners to secure the win. So he won on the 15th vote and he cut some sort of deals. We don't know all of what the deals were, but one of them was that any one member can raise this so-called motion to vacate. And that's what happened. Matt Gates, who has not been happy with uh, McCarthy's performance, uh, stood up in the, in the House and, and uh, put forward this motion to vacate. The office of Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant. Eight Republicans voted in favor of it. That would be for the speaker to vacate his chair. But all the Democrats voted uh, for Kevin McCarthy to vacate the chair. So it, as a result, the number of Republicans who were prepared to support Kevin McCarthy for his speakership was not enough. He was ousted from the chair. He's now said that he will not run it again. And in theory, next week, the Republicans are getting together to try and pick a successor. But it's a strange sort of coup because normally when you do something like this, you have an end game. You have a strategy. At least you have a person to say, hey, we're ousting you and we're throwing our support behind this person. At the moment, that does not exist in America. You are on X, formerly known as Twitter, and just moments after this motion was filed, McCarthy actually posted on uh, X, bring it on. Yeah. Did you see that? What did you make of it? And then, of course, seeing and knowing what we know happened after. So he's not he's not Donald Trump, but he's he's got bravado. He always has. Uh, going in, he told a reporter, I'm going in as an optimist because that's the only way to be. Mm. I don't know what he was hoping would happen. One of the differences between Kevin McCarthy and Nancy Pelosi is Nancy Pelosi never lost a vote. Nancy Pelosi, who was the Democratic leader, the speaker for a long time, never brought a vote to the floor that she didn't know she could win. If she had a few people in her caucus who were not going to go along with something she wanted, she had to make a deal either with them to get their support or with a few um, so-called moderate or centrist Republicans. So remember, there are probably, let's say, 20 of these far-right people. I don't even call them conservatives because I don't know that there's any ideology behind their chaos. But there's about 20 of these far-right 
chaos agents in the Republican conference. And there are about 20 people who won seats in districts that uh, Joe Biden won in the last election. So they're Republicans elected in swing or moderate districts. They want no part of this nonsense that's going on in Congress. So that's what you've got. You've got a rump of Republicans, some who are moderates, some who are extremists, and they can't seem to get their act together. After the break, why this happened when it did, and what it means for U.S. politics now. On the Inside Story podcast, a police raid on journalists in India. Why was it carried out and what does it mean for media freedom? Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So, Ali, this moment in U.S. politics um, has a much bigger backstory to it, and that is the possible shutdown of the federal government if Congress doesn't vote to extend its funding. That almost happened over the weekend, but it was averted for now. What do we know about what that had to do with McCarthy's removal? Uh, A lot, um, on two different levels. One is in order to pass the bill to keep the government open, uh, McCarthy depended on Democratic support. Uh, more Democrats voted for that bill than than Republicans did. A lot of Republicans defected. In getting Democratic support, it lost McCarthy, whatever support he had, and it wasn't much, of this far-right faction in his party. On the other hand, he went on TV on Sunday morning, a sort of a celebratory round, and said things about Democrats that a lot of Democrats took offense to. In fact, they decided that because he's not someone they can trust and they can work with, they will not save him. Democrats could have saved him, right? When the motion to vacate came up and some Republicans voted for him, Democratic votes would have kept Kevin McCarthy uh, in, in the speakership. But Democrats have said to Republicans, this is your problem to sort out. You figure out who it is you can put forward, who can get a majority, who can get all of your votes. And if we feel like voting for them, we will or we won't, but this is not ours to solve. Hmm. Was it a surprise at all that Democrats didn't step in to save him? There had been talk of of that happening, but generally speaking, Democrats were saying, well, we'd like something in exchange. Kevin McCarthy has launched an impeachment inquiry into into Joe Biden with no evidence of wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing all sorts of things. He's really letting this small group of people run amok in Congress. And, and Democrats are saying, you're welcome to come to us with an offer about what, what you would do in exchange for our support, which, Malik, as you know, happens in, in parliamentary democracies across the world. Right-wing parties, left-wing parties make an agreement that for a certain amount of time, we will help push these, these pieces of legislation through and we'll avoid these things. No such deal was forthcoming. I, I suppose if it if it were to be, uh, Democrats could consider it, but um, Democrats have great party discipline right now. There was a time when Democrats were in disarray like the Republicans are. Right now, Democrats have very strong party discipline and Republicans are in Okay, so let's talk about the timeline here. Um, Congress now has to choose a new speaker, but they are under the gun because of the shutdown that we just talked about. Right. And the vote to fund the government only gave it funding for another 45 days. So what might happen if the speaker role isn't permanently filled before then? Does it matter? Well, it's a problem because, because at the moment, If every Republican voted for any bill, including keeping the government open, you would keep the government open. But they 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 can only ever afford four defections. And there are more than four people who hate uh, Kevin McCarthy and the leadership of the Republican Party. So, like I said, there are 20 of those and there are 20 over here. The math ain't math. That's the problem. (laughs) Uh, At some point, 
they're going to have to come forward with somebody and they, the Republicans say they're going to do this on Tuesday. Somebody that pretty much every Republican can vote for or who can go over to the Democrats and say, 20 of our guys are not going to vote for me, but I can get everybody else and we can guarantee you we'll pull this impeachment talk. We'll do this. We'll do that. In this crazy world, anything could happen. I will say the the elephant in the room here is Donald Trump. He's the one who wanted this shutdown. He's the one who uh, they are enthralled to. The former president saying the GOP should just let the government shut down as leverage, posting, quote, Republicans in Congress can and must defund all aspects of crooked Joe Biden's weaponized government. So when I say they're not conservatives, it's not a conservative ideological movement. These chaos Republicans are Donald Trump agents in the House. So Donald Trump got the win this week. For our listeners who don't know, you are the editor of a new book entitled The Trump Indictment. So let's talk a little bit more about that elephant in the room. What does it mean then that this happened for him and his candidacy? Well, it means he's still strong. It means that that Donald Trump commands more power in the Republican Party than the most powerful Republican in the country, who was until yesterday, uh, Kevin McCarthy. That Donald Trump's really the leader of this operation. He doesn't have to, and it's in typical Donald Trump fashion, he doesn't have to control the majority of people. He's got a very vocal and able minority. Um, this, of course, is an interesting situation for Donald Trump because he's got four indictments, uh, you know, criminal indictments. But he does not weaken as a result of any of these things. His mm. polling continues to be strong. So it becomes very strange to understand. There are a whole lot of people thinking that these indictments will lead to some sort of accountability, something that Donald Trump has not faced in so much of his career. But Donald Trump beats the rap a lot. And at the moment, the way he's beating this rap is that he continues to win amongst his supporters. So... This is so high level. I want to break it down just a little bit more and what this actually means to be McCarthy right now. It doesn't sound like he's very liked, kind of across the board. So here's the thing. He's actually liked. That's the one thing. Okay, yeah. Explain then. People actually like him. Uh, He's a nice guy. In fact, he arguably he's a bit of a people pleaser. Uh, which is why he may not be the right guy for this job. I think he thought he had personal relationships or the ability to to, to give these far-right Republicans his word that he'll do certain things, and he did. They don't so like him. They don't trust him. He's not part of their cult. But this is the trouble with Kevin McCarthy, right? Right after January 6th, he came out and he laid the blame for what happened on January 6th squarely at the feet of Donald Trump. Then he didn't. Then he was in Mar-a-Lago kissing the ring. Uh, Because every Republican understands that their future depends on endorsements by Donald Trump or Donald Trump not turning against you. And Kevin McCarthy has now lost the one thing he always wanted. He wanted to be speaker for so long. It was so humiliating to to have to do 15 elections in a row when your party actually controls Congress to win the role of speaker. And and now it's gone. So I think for him, this is a, a tough time. I don't know what he does with that knowledge and information. Does he become a mm-hmm. emeritus? Does he hang around in the background? Does he become the compromise candidate? Uh, and what happened with him and Trump? Does he now finally say that Donald Trump controls this party? Nobody else does. Um, you know, a lot of Republicans have turned against Donald Trump for that reason. We haven't seen that from, from Kevin McCarthy yet. Traditional Republicans do not enjoy Donald Trump. They think that he is ruining their chances to ever be a governing party again. But in the moment, Malika, that's what he's doing. He is, he is ruling by chaos. He's saying, I have the power to shut Congress down. I have the power to get the speaker uh, kicked out. If he doesn't shut Congress down, that's where we are in America. 
when McCarthy eventually assumed the role after all those tries, which I I remember being embarrassed myself. Like, I just really couldn't understand how it could take so many tries, but here we are. Um, He said this quote, My father always told me, it isn't how you start, it is how you finish. We are at the close of his speakership here. How do you think he finished? what, What would you grade this? I mean, he may have been the most ineffective speaker in American history. And I'd have to go back into early American history because there are probably some ineffective speakers I just haven't read about. Uh, But this was pretty bad. I will say he was dealt a bad hand. Uh, And there have been times in the past where Democrats have done this. They just, you know, when you try and be a big tent, uh, you get all sorts of people in and they, they don't necessarily want to be part of that tent or they don't want your side of the tent. But that's the whole point of the party system in America, right? Everything shouldn't be everything to everybody. This party has been co-opted by the Donald Trump wing of the party. And Kevin McCarthy's try it as he might. He's not part of that. Uh, So, yeah, he didn't get much done. He averted a shutdown. He averted a debt ceiling uh, breach. But he did that. Both of those things he did with Democrats. Wow. Okay, so finally, I want to talk about the broader implications of this moment because tensions in the Republican Party between people like Matt Gates and McCarthy have been brewing for a while. Where does the Republican Party go from here, and where does the U.S. government go? Well, in speaking to certain members of Congress, the, the remedy for Republicans in the House, uh, those who are not part of this chaos caucus, is to stop listening to them, to just just disavow them. They can operate as their own party. Republicans have to assume that they're like a minority party, that you take out 20 from their ranks. They no longer have the majority. So in order to get anything done, they're going to have to do it with Democrats. They don't want to do that because there's an election next year, right? They want to talk, they want to stop legislation. They want Democrats to be seen as ineffective, but they can't get out of their own way. But that seems to be the only path forward. And in theory, if you do that, you end up possibly with a Republican party rising like Phoenix from the ashes, right? You There are enough conservatives in this country, like they're not agents of chaos. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's an opening for them to to come in and fit into this process, but that's what has to happen because carrying on like this for the next year or year and a half is not going to be fruitful for Republicans. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Sonia Bagat, Ashish Malhotra, and Chloe K. Lee, with Amy Walters, David Enders, Faranisa Campana, Khalid Sultan, Miranda Lynn, Sariel Khalili, Zaina Bezer, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs>